So when Nicholas asked me to do this reading, I was hesitant. I was reluctant. Then we had a theological discussion, and Nicholas convinced me that this had a deeper meaning. This is from John 3, 1 through 8. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Thanks, David. So, um, in the last series we had here, just before I went away, we talked about service being the end point of spirituality and looked at the whole area of, of discerning the nature and place uh, of the service that we might be offering. And uh, really, for the, since the start of the year, that's what we've been talking about. In the next few weeks... I want to look more at our internal life um, and look at the idea of personal transformation. You know, our, our stated mission at the chapel, is, you know, we have lots of missions. If you look at the sort of original one, it's about four pages long, and then there's the shortened version, and, and, and then there's sort of shortened of the shortened and things like that. But the, the one that I've been sort of comfortable with that has come down to the, uh, one, sentence, the, one sentence for our mission is that, that we are a community committed to personal transformation through practice. You know, that, that's what resonates with me. All the other stuff is also you know, important. But you know, for me, we are a, a community committed to personal transformation through practice. And I want to explore you know, what it means, the whole idea of personal transformation, and how we go about it. I mean... Actually, transformation is quite a strong word. It's not just a little change here or there, a sort of different haircut or losing a few pounds around the waist or just cutting back on the booze a bit or even just being a bit nicer. You know, the word itself, transformation, comes from, it's a sort of mid-14th century word. and it, it means change the form of. Transformation means change the form of. It comes from the Latin word transformare, which is change in shape, a metamorphosis from trans, meaning across or beyond, and formare means form. So across or beyond the form. So 
you know, like I put the little picture of the pupa to the butterfly on your service sheet, there is, a, there is almost a change in form that happens with the idea of transformation. So we're talking about something that changes our very makeup. It changes the essence of who we are. And I think, you know, that's echoed in the Christian concept of, of repentance, which is repentance is commonly seen as going from being bad to being good. I mean, that's how you know, repentance is seen. But the word, interestingly, even that, the word in the, that's used in the, in the Greek New Testament for repent, uh, the word which is used is the word metanoia, which means the renewing of your mind. It is the renewing of your mind. So it's not about good or bad. It, it is that changing of the essence. This, this sort of form of personal transformation, just to speak in modern language, you know, it's a complete software update. And again, you know, that's really what it means, what it's meant, the whole Christian idea of being born again. I know some of you shudder when that thing is, re- is read. But the whole idea of being born again is a transformation in the way of thinking. You know, we do think when we talk about being born again, the meaning of, you know, giving our hearts to Jesus. Uh, and to some extent, that idea of being, you know, born again Christians has, you know, got difficult connotations in modern life. It's had a difficult press. However, what's really meant by Jesus' words I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again, is that complete software update, a reboot of the mind, a renewing of your mind that affects that transformare. The renewing of your mind affects the change of form that we're talking about that in the area of trans- personal transformation. It starts with that. So we're a community committed to personal transformation through practice. However, to state that, you know, does beg the question, to state that as our mission does beg the question, do we actually want to transform? Do we actually want to transform? And I think it's worth putting that out here. Because although it's a nice idea, you know, Gandhi said, be the change that you see in the world. And everybody agrees that personal transformation is a thoroughly good thing. And yet most of us, if we tell the truth, you know, are pretty okay with the way we are. And often, you know, we don't have any real desire, if we tell the truth, to rock the boat of our lives. You know, we may sign up to the idea, we may think about it, we may meditate on it and go on courses about it, but often the reality is that we've set up our lives in a way that serves us. You know, we know what we like, we know what we think, we know how we think, and the idea of radically changing who we are and what we do is deep down, I think, something that we might be unwilling to change. I remember one of the fears you know, when I was involved in sort of, uh, I was going to say proper Christian life, you know, when I was involved in a church in England, um, the more traditional church, 
Um, a lot of people, when you talked about the idea of becoming a Christian, what, what they're afraid about uh, was they need to go off and become missionaries in Africa. They were all terrified. That, you know, if you became a Christian, God would tell them they have to go and become a missionary in Africa you know, or some such place, and then off they'd have to go. They were f- afraid of the consequences. Now, I know none of you here probably fear that, but there's still a nagging worry, I think, that if you do, you know, if we change too much, you know, we might be off into the desert eating locusts and honey, or, or at the very least, we might have to part with some of our well-earned creature comforts, some of the ways we like to, to please ourselves. And even more than that, more than our way of living is the way that we think. We might have to, to change the way that we think. All of us have developed the way that we are in our thinking. And to change that is a pretty big deal, to change the way you think. You know, that old idea that there's some seats if you want to come in. There's no problem at all. Just you want to make some seats with Dan? Just move up one. There's two seats just here. Just over here. Just over here. That's great. So all of us have got that idea of watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because your habits become your character. And watch your character for, for that becomes your destiny. That, you, know, you can see that correlation. And changing the way that we think challenges who we are and what we think we're about. You know, are are we really up for that? Are we really up for that change? So I think, you know, I know personally myself, there is some deep resistance to the idea of personal transformation, even if we do tick the box. And you're lucky there is no flyer on here to tick the box here i'm not putting right would you like to have personal transformation yes if i did have that you could still tick that box that well not really you have a you have your you know your finger crossed behind your back the truth is that we often want to tick the box and then you know we do tick those boxes and then we we will sort of wonder why over the years nothing has changed you know we meditate we do endless courses you know we turn up at the chapel we study we learn and, and if we're honest, you know, everything does tend to stay the same. We're the same person. I mean, I mean actually, I think that, that we do change. I think, but it, I think it's very slow. You know, it's like mountains arising out of the desert, you know. And we can't really see the extent that we do change. It's imperceptible enough. I think it does happen over time. But there is still that sneaking feeling that, you know, we're not changing at the rate that we ought to be changing. We, we sort of wonder why we are not sort of transformed human beings given the amount of money we spent on courses and the amount of time we spent on the cushion and all that sort of business. We should probably be better people. Well, perhaps deep down there's a part of us that, that is reluctant to change, that would prefer us to stay pretty much the same, even on the surface we're expressing keenness for that change. Because let's face it, you know, most of us, we're all pretty stuck in our ways. I'm not sure what the average age here is, but most of us are not asked to pay full price at the cinema. <laughs> and by the time, you know, we tend, you know, by now we tend to know what we like. We understand how we think. And, you know, we're okay with it now. 
So we do have to ask ourselves the very real question of whether or not we're actually open to personal transformation. Do we want to move to Windows 10? When we're perfectly happy with Windows 7, if you think about it, we're used to it. Because there is some, you know, stop deep down to that transformare, to changing the form. You know, if we are stopping that, then there is, you know, there is, if we're not up for personal transformation, then there is no real point us being a, a, a community committed to personal transformation through practice. We might as well be, uh, you know, admit it and say that we want to say the same. And, you know, we're a, committed, we're a community committed to being a bit nicer, you know, to being a bit more loving, you know, to doing things a bit differently, to being nicer to people. We're a community committed to helping more. We're forgiving. You know, we want to forgive more. We, we, we want to have time for those around us. All the things that go up, you know, to make up good behavior in a, in a lovely liberal democracy. Yeah, that's what we pretty much sign up for. Just trying to be a little bit better and not too horrible to people that are around us. And, you know, we're pretty okay. But honestly, that really isn't personal transformation. That's just being nice. That's the equivalent of, you know, wearing appropriate clothing or getting a nice haircut, you know, or stopping smoking or cutting down on the booze a bit or, or losing a few pounds. I mean, that, that's really what it is. It is the same consciousness doing things differently. That's what it is. It's the same consciousness doing things differently. And it doesn't come close to Einstein's idea around problem solving. You know, no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. It doesn't come close to that. You know, we're just, just being nicer people, but the same. He's talking about a transformation of consciousness that comes about through the kind of personal transformation that we're talking about here. That's what he's talking about. So, if we're looking at how to bring up about personal transformation, the first question we have to ask ourselves, and it really is worth, you know, this week thinking, you know, do you really want it? Do you really want personal transformation? And I think it's okay to say no. I think it's okay to say no. And perhaps all of us has to admit to that no before we can come to our yes. I think we have to admit to that no. No, I do not want to personally transform. I'm quite happy with myself the way I am. I know I have a few problems, but I'm addressing them with my therapist and we're making good progress together. Being the way I am has served me all my life. And I'm not going to rock the boat and throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, to mix metaphors. And I quite like myself the way that I am. And my friends like me that way. And so do my family. They love me for who I am. So no, I do not want to personally transform. But, and really this is the cruncher. But we have to remember that our lives are not our own. We have to remember that our lives are not our own. If we've come to understand anything around the chapel, it is that we live not for our own ends. We do not live for our own ends. 
We do not live selfishly, but as a service to the greater self that is the source of all life. And, you know, if, if you're not quite sure what I mean by that, then the last eight weeks of this, you know, that's what I've been talking about for the last eight weeks, you know, that it's about service. So your life is not your own. That's the truth of the matter. We come from a place where, you know, we consider ourselves, you know, the idea that we've been talking about is that we are living sacrifices, sacrificio. We're, mo- we're made holy. We're here because we're offering ourselves to the greater good. We're offering ourselves to the greater good. We're recognizing that our selfishness is not, you know, what's the driver, but we are recognizing that we're offering ourselves to the greater good. And therefore, the no we have to transforming, the no we have to personal transformation, although it has to be acknowledged, is not an appropriate answer to what's demanded of us by our understanding of the nature of reality. It's just not appropriate. You know, we talked about looking at what the nature of reality is and making our service appropriate to, to what the nature of reality is. And if we look at the nature of reality, look at our part within it, a no to personal transformation is not an appropriate answer. Our understanding tells us that our transformation is what is necessary for the evolution of consciousness, that it's the heart of the progress of creation. And therefore, yes is the only answer to the question of personal transformation. It's the only appropriate answer. It's worth acknowledging that our no, but so we can get to our yes. And if you want to look at that no and that yes, there is no better place than Thomas Merton uh, and his definition of the idea of the false self. And it really describes the difference between living for yourself and living for that greater good. Now, this is what he says. This is in New Seeds of Contemplation. And it is a fantastic, I've read it here before, but, you know, you cannot hear this too often. He says that every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. This is the man or woman that I want myself, that I think myself to be, but cannot exist Because God does not know anything about this person. It's in our heads. And to be unknown to God is altogether too much privacy. My false and private self is the one who wants to exist outside the the reach of God's will and God's love. Outside of reality and outside of life. And as such, a self cannot help but be an illusion. We're not good at reconciling illusions, least of all the ones we cherish about ourselves, the ones we are born with and which feed our roots of sin. For most people in the world, there is no greater subject to reality than this false self of theirs, the way that we think about ourselves, which cannot exist. A life devoted to the cult of this shadow is what is traditionally called a life of sin. And all sin starts from the assumption that my full self, the self that exists only in my egocentric desires, is the fundamental reality of life to which everything else in the universe has to be ordered. Thus, I use up my life in the desires for pleasure and the thirst for experience, for power, for honor, for knowledge and love, 
to clothe this false self and to construct its nothingness into something objectively real. And I wind experiences around myself and cover myself with pleasures and glory like bandages in order to make myself perceivable to myself and to the world. As if I were an invisible body that could only become visible when something visible was put on its surface. But there is no substance under the things which I am clothed by. I am hollow and my structure of pleasures and ambition has no foundation. I am objectified by them. But they are all destined by their very contingency to ultimately be destroyed. And when they're gone, there'll be nothing left of me but my own nakedness and emptiness and hollowness to tell me that I am my own mistake. And that is the life of the selfish life, the life that is involved, the life that we, the life that Jesus refers to as the life of the flesh. And I know some people will balk at the idea of you know, concepts like sin, but you understand what he means. You know, he's talking about you know, living a selfish life. Don't be worried about the words and the ideas around it. That is the idea, that is the untransformed self. That is, that is where we start. That is the self that says, no, I want to be the same who I am. I want this and I want that and I want to continue with the way the other. That is the way where we live from. And, you know, we make a good life sometimes living for it. I said there's some problems with those concepts, but he's really saying that there is a part of us that wants to stay identified with our personal desires. That's the no. You know, the part of us that wants us to identify with the personal desire. And personal transformation is about moving from that to Merton's other great description of being. You move from that. This is, this is the move. From that to Merton's other description of being, which shows the path of personal transformation. And this is how he describes the other side of that. And I've used this again before, but I make no apology for it because it is a fantastic statement. He, this is how he describes the other experience of being. This is where you move. That's what, over the next few weeks, this is what we're going to move from. And what I'm going to say now is where we're going to move to. This is the, this is the, 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 the sort of uh, arc of personal transformation. And the, and the other side of that, the false self, is this. He says, God utters me. This is, this is the, the experience, uh, the other side of personal transformation. The experience that God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word can never comprehend the voice that uttered it. But if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him that I was meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself and find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find myself. I shall be saved. Now again, don't get worried about the words, but that idea of completely finding yourself, that is, that is the other side of it. God utters me like a, a word containing a partial thought of himself. That is, that is the transformed side. That is the place of personal transformation. That is the place of metanoia. That is the place of being born again. That is the picture of where we're going on this journey. So the first place is to acknowledge that maybe we have a no somewhere deep down that's stopping us, and to change that no to a yes. I, you know, 
that little thing that always comes up. Are you willing for Microsoft to make changes to your computer? Yes, no. You've got to take the yes box, otherwise nothing's going to happen. So that's the first bit. It's opening ourselves to the possibility of something radical happening to us. Something radical at the root, that's where the word comes from, of who we are. We profess to be about that here in the chapel. We say we're a community committed to personal transformation through practice. And this yes is a yes to being part of that. But of course the question then comes, how do I move from where I am to the place of personal transformation? How do I get, how do I get from that full self to that God utters me like a word? And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the series. Suffice to say, to begin with, that the starting point has to be the willingness, the starting point has to be the willingness to get beyond the circumstances of our lives. I'm afraid to say that is the starting point. I don't believe that we can transform while we are still at the effect of what's happening to us in day-to-day living. We can't do that because all our energy is taken up trying to control the circumstances so that they go our way. We have to be a point where we are not attached to the outcomes of what's happening in our lives. We have to get to that point. And again, you know, Parche, the last series, you know, I talked a lot about how we do that. The idea of not being attached to the outcome of our actions, of doing our work and then stepping back, being the path to serenity of putting all our energies into what we do without an expectation of return. That was what that whole last series was about. And I believe that this is the starting point for personal transformation. Unless we are at peace at that level, we cannot move forward because all our efforts are taken up with dealing with the circumstances as they come to us. You know, sometimes those circumstances will themselves disarm us and leave us completely vulnerable and in a place where we can transform. You know, we see that in people who've lost a loved one or who go through some traumatic experience that can bring them, it can bring about a sort of transformation that we're talking about. It's cathartic. It's a cleansing experience that leaves us in a place where the only way we can move forward is transformation. I want to acknowledge that it does happen. You know, our circumstances can force us into a place of personal transformation and people then can start again. It's not something that people wish for, but it does seem to have a result of giving people that chance of of, a beginning again. But without that, who wants that? We don't really want that, you know. Please give me some... It's like, you know, this whole thing about, you know, global global unity do we really want an invasion alien invasion to happen before we have global unity you know we don't want that we don't want the disaster to happen to force us to personally transform without that we have to look at how we prepare ourselves for personal transformation and after saying yes to the process the next point is to arrive at the point of peace with our lives with our circumstances last page with our circumstances We have to be okay with the way we are. With what life is throwing at us, we have to be okay with our diagnosis. We we have to be okay with our family members who aren't prepared to talk to us. We have to be okay with our housing. We have to be okay with our lack of money. We have to be okay with our hurts and our pains. 
We have to be okay with our regrets. We have to be okay with our anger. And I don't believe we can truly move forward without acknowledging our powerlessness in those areas. Now, even saying that does flag up, you know, the 12-step program. Now, Richard Raw says that the 12-step, he says, of the 12-step program, Richard Raw says, of the 12-step program, I truly believe that the 12-step program will go down in history as America's greatest and unique contribution to the history of spirituality. Isn't that great? The idea that the 12-step program, he sees it as the greatest church in America at the moment. It represents what is, he says, it represents what is good about American pragmatism. And the first step of the 12-step program is to admit that we're powerless over circumstances. It's to admit that we're powerless. We have to arrive at that place of peace in order to be able to move forward. It is a place of openness. It is a place of vulnerability. It is a place of acceptance. It is a place of surrender. It is a place where we are willing to have our lives as they are, putting all our energy into living our lives and making the best that we can, not being attached to the outcome. That is the place of peace. And it is interesting that often in personal transformation, the place of peace is seen as the destination. That's where you want to get to in personal transformation. That's often seen as the, you know, that is the, the ultimate bunts of personal transformation is to get to the place of peace. And I'm saying, no, it's the starting point of true transformation. It is not the end point of the spiritual search piece, but actually it is the real starting point. It is the point of entry into the game proper. It is where we let go of that false self and we're willing to become the word that God utters in us. And in practice, it is our time that we spend on the cushion. It's our prayer, it's our study. That brings us to the point of peace. You know, that's where we get to that point. Our meditation, our prayer, our contemplation, our oneness with nature is how we arrive at that point of peace. That's what we've been talking about over the last eight weeks. And then we're ready for the next step, which we'll talk about next week. Amen. So let's just uh, have a, just a moment of, of prayer. We do think of all the lack of peace and troubles in our world at the moment. Conflicts, wars, oppression, difficulty. We just pray that we will be able to use ourselves from that point of peace to enable a personal transformation to take place that will bring us into a place where we can make a contribution. Pray for those who are in those war zones, under oppression, at the effect of weather, hungry, homeless, in difficulty. We lift up our world. We lift up our hearts and ask that we be appropriate in our hearts to the problems of the world. Pray for our valley, for all those on the mountains at the moment for safety, for ski patrol, for those on the lifts, in the restaurants, all the visitors here, 
up and down the valley. I pray for safety in travel. Pray for all those who are ill at the moment, particularly thinking of those in our community. We pray for Mimi Schlumberger battling with cancer. Pray for Cindy van der Veer, who had surgery last week. For Alex Coleman, who's in a coma in Los Angeles. For Taylor Patterson, who's in recovery. For the Franklin family, after the loss of Shelley's beloved stepfather, Vern Venn. Pray for the family of Aaron Truk, whose memorial was here last week, and the family of Annie Teague. We offer our hearts in healing to all who are in difficulty. Amen.